Hey guys, Lucas Cursor here at Method Ministries, and welcome back to another episode. It's been a couple weeks since I've I've done one. Been a little busy. One of the ways, one of the things that has been keeping me busy is getting ready for my daughter. She is planned. Uh, she's planned. She is projected. <laughs> I guess that's a word. She's projected. Predicted. Uh, we are expecting her from this Saturday. In four weeks, we're expecting her. I'm, I'm recording this on a Saturday. Four weeks from now, July 29th, we are um, expecting to have our daughter born either that day or around that time. Hopefully, hopefully, um, no later than that time. So I've been busy. Um, you know, got some other side projects going on on top of work and getting ready for, for our, you know, our daughter to to be here. I had to move out of my office. That's why I'm actually recording with no um, video right now. It's still up in the air with what I'm what I'm gonna do with that because you know where we live. Um, I had the office that was my recording studio, but I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not upset about leaving that room because that means I just get to give that room to my daughter. So I am grateful to God for that. So thank uh, thank you Jesus for my daughter. But I, but I did want to hop on and do an episode. I think I'm gonna title this episode. You don't have to become a Calvinist. Something along the lines of you don't have to become a Calvinist. Become a Wesleyan instead, and this uh, this episode it really isn't meant to try to take a knock at Calvinism. I probably will take shots at them, but that's just because you know I'm trying to speak the truth, not purposely trying to upset my Calvinist brothers and sisters out there. But I do want to talk about what I have been seeing for a couple of I guess um, I'm trying to think of when I've been seeing this problem, but I've been seeing this problem for quite some time now. I want to say it's definitely been been uh, several years. And the problem that I want to talk about is that when somebody becomes a Christian, like they're a newborn Christian, because they've been regenerated, because they now have eyes, heart, mind, and soul, you know, they're illuminated by the Holy Spirit, that they, they can see the truth of God's word, the truth of the gospel, and what it means to be a Christian, they've been regenerated, they tasted and seen that the Lord is good, their eyes are open. Thank God their eyes are opened. They can now see that the American Christianity that is taught in so many churches today is not true biblical to scriptural Christianity. And a lot of the, the pastors and teachers, their pastors, their teachers, or the people in their lives that have been teaching them the Word of God, they're not really that solid. In fact, you know, there's a term for this that, that describes the kind of pastors and teachers that they are. And I think it's an accurate one. You might have heard of it. The even uh, even jellyfish. Have you heard of that term before? Even jellyfish, even jelly Christianity. So that's a term again. I think that's accurate, and that's just just trying to describe somebody who they're like a, a jellyfish. They're they're bendable. You know you know you know they're very um yeah they're 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 malleable. They can bend easy. They have no backbone. They're not strong in the scriptures. They're not accurate in the scriptures. They're not truthful to the scriptures. They. They're very uh, cultured. They're very um, worldly. There's a lot of sensationalism, emotionalism, entertainment. It's even jellyfish dumb, and their doctrine is weak. You know, they, you know, they're not they're not these expositors of scripture. They're not these famous exegetes of scriptures, and then, and their lives aren't really marked by anything great. So what happens is the Calvinist capitalizes on this. The Calvinist will use this as an opportunity to convert somebody into a Calvinist, or they'll call him a, you know, reformer. Side note, not to get off track, but I don't actually think that most reformers today are reformed. 
See, you know, Reformed is more than just the five points of Tulip. It's more than just the five points of Calvinism. There's a lot more that goes into being Reformer than just being a Calvinist. I think the, the majority of people who call themselves Calvinists haven't even read Calvin, but they're definitely not reformers, and I think that's a misnomer. And I want to talk, and I just wanted to briefly mention that, not to get off on on a you know uh, not to get sidetracked at all. But going back to what I said, the Calvinist he's well aware of that the evangelic the evangelicus the evangelifish Christianity of America is wrong, so they capitalize on this and they use this as an opportunity to convert people to their system of Calvinism. And so as a new convert, you know, you think that because of this, you're presented with two options and you have option one on the table. You can go down the cheap grace, false Christianity, full of emotions, full of some, you know, sensational performances of the flesh, worldly attractions, all that, you know, the whole nine yards. Or you can go the other route, the better route in comparison to that and join the team that has some of the best theologians, some of the best pastors, teachers, evangelists, exegetes of Christianity, or so we're told at least. So we're told. So you think, okay, I got two options. I can go this route, which I know because I've been saved, I've been born again, this is definitely not Christianity, so I definitely can't go that route, so I guess I better go this route. And there's a psychology behind it. They think that because the, the Christianity of America is false, that the true version of Christianity, or the, maybe the true interpretation of Christianity, is Calvinism. And I think that's why Calvinists is, are able to grab a lot of people and convert them into Calvinists, because once they're born again, you know, going back to this, once they're born again, seeing the errors of the false version of Christianity that is predominant in most churches today, they know it's false, they know it's not true, so let's join the solid team, the Reform Bros, and let's become Calvinists. And then there's also a cool factor that goes into this. You know, these these are the guys with beards. These are the guys with tattoos. They drink beer. You know, they're very, uh, you know, um, I guess accepted or liked in their community. They're respected. They got, you know, they got a whole clique. They got a whole Reform Bros. That you know, you know, there's there's a fraternity with it. There's there's a sociology, there's a community behind it. They got tons of great books, great podcasts, great authors. And not only that, on top of when all this is going on too, you're you're presented with a false caricature, if I'm saying that right, a false stereotype, strawman arguments about the other side the, that you could potentially go down that's not the evangelifish side. And what's this other side? Well, this other side is what is called Arminianism. So when when this side is presented by the quote-unquote reform bros, it's always, always, majority of the time, I, um, I would even say 99% of the time, the very least 95% of the time, it's a false misrepresentation of what they actually believe in. But you but you don't know that because the only time you actually ever hear about their beliefs is from a Calvinist. You never actually pick up a book, listen to somebody, and hear what they have to say on how, what they mean by Arminianism or Wesley Arminianism or maybe just Wesley in, you know, you know, Wesleyanism or Methodism, you know, how, you know, whatever kind of name you want to put on it. So you think that based upon the Calvinist who misrepresents them, that these people are just people who don't like the sovereignty of God, 
they like very much the the sovereignty of man. Um, they're very works oriented. They don't trust God. They're not good exegetes of Scripture. They're not faithful men. You know, again, we got the good guys. We got the strong theologians. We got the strong scholars over here. These guys don't. They don't care about theology. They don't know context. They don't know hermeneutics. And so, why would you go down that route, right? And why would you want to be those Arminians, especially knowing that there's a whole community who makes fun of them, pokes and pokes fun at them all the time, and you know, calls them semi-Pelagianism or, or semi-Pelagianists. Like, why would you want to go down that route? Especially, again, when you're surrounded by a community where to be accepted, to be to be thought of as cool and as a solid Christian, which you would want to be thought so that, why would you go down that route? So all of this is what I'm trying to say is that I think this happens a lot. And Calvinists capitalize on this. These are, the, these are methods of how they convert people to, people to Calvinism. And there's a big psychological, sociological factor to it. But I want to use this episode, I want to use this, this, this podcast talk right now to tell you that, that you don't have to go down that route. If, you, if you're, maybe you're a Christian who's actually even been in this path for a while. You know, I was talking to somebody a couple of weeks back and he reached out. I won't say his name. But he reached out and he's been in the Calvinist community and he's starting to see the problems finally. And I spoke to him about what I think happens regarding this and why so many people go down the Calvinist route. He's, and he was in agreement with me that people go down the Calvinist route for this very purpose because there's psychology, there's sociology behind it. And they think that this is what it means to be a solid Christian. And they definitely don't want to be like those Arminians out there who aren't solid Christians. And again, who don't like the sovereignty of God and the works-based salvation and they're synergists and all this other, all this other false false misrepresentations of them. So again, let's become Calvinist, but you don't have to become a Calvinist. There's a better option out there. And that is you should become a Wesleyan. That's what I want to talk about. You should become a Wesleyan. See, Wesleyanism started out as as I'm sure you know with John and Charles Wesley, but it wasn't just John and Charles Wesley. It was their fellow compatriots. There was a small group of men. They started out as a Bible study, and these men, they were called Methodists, not by their own um, choosing, but by those who made fun of them for their seriousness of pursuing true scriptural Christianity. And that was a goal. In fact, if you study Wesleyanism, you'll, uh, you'll find that term, scriptural Christianity. That's what they were trying to pursue, true scriptural Christianity. And the Wesley bros, the Wesley brothers, the, you know, their, uh, their, uh, their friends, their community, they were aware of nominal Christianity. They were aware that the Christianity of their day was much like our day. It was nominal and it wasn't true. And it, it wasn't people pursuing, pursuing God and going after God. It wasn't people who were born again. They knew it. And they were trying to live out the true Christian faith and take the truth of the scriptures. That, you know, that's where we get the term scriptural Christianity. They were trying to follow it. They were trying to live it out in the, in the most primitive form possible. And primitive means the earliest stages. So John Wesley, Charles Wesley, you know, the Methodist people, the people called Methodists, they wanted to take the, the most primitive form of Christianity, which is the truest form, and live it out. That's what they were trying to do. And I'm here to tell you that you don't have to be a Calvinist to be a true Christian or to live like a true Christian and to, to go to the you know, highest expression, you know, uh, whatever kind of idea that the Calvinist puts out behind it, that they're the only ones that have the true expression of Christianity. You don't have to go down the route. You don't have to be a Calvinist. And in fact, there's a better route. Wesleyanism is much better than Calvinism. Wesleyanism 
is better. There's a better option. You should become a Wesleyan. And I think at the very least, maybe you know, you're doubting this, or maybe you think, oh, you know, yeah, right. Don't don't turn me off too soon. Have you ever studied, truly studied Wesleyanism? Have you ever studied Wesleyanism? And I know some people, you know, um, they maybe just be tuning in. Or, you know, I don't have a big following. But the majority of people, when I talk to them and talk about the, you know, conversations like, um, you know, getting to these Armenian Calvinist debate, I find the majority of the time the people, they don't actually know what they're debating because they never heard a true expression or read a true presentation, defense, positive, positive claim or argument for it at all. So they don't really know what it means to be a Wesleyan or, or a Wesley Arminian. But trust me when I tell you that Wesleyan Arminian is to the contrary of what Calvinists tell you it is about. And it is a theology that is dedicated to the truth and living out the, tr- the true faith of Christianity. We are, are committed 100% to that. And we are aware of the problems out there. We are aware of the false versions of Christianity. We are aware of nominal Christianity. We are aware of wokeness, of social justice. You don't have to be a Calvinist to, to be awake to these, to, you know, to these issues and see the problems. I mean, for goodness sake, for the majority of uh, church history, people have not been Calvinists. Calvinists are actually in the minority. And if you look down church history, if you study it, and by the way, church history is more than just, just reformed history. That's, a, that's only one s- small part in church history. There's a bigger picture here. And Calvinist is only one, one part, one fraction of it. So it's highly myopic to get stuck and think that this is all there is and this is what it means to be a true Christian. Because let me tell you something, the Christian faith is not the Reformed faith. The Reformed faith is not the Christian faith. And too many people, too many people in the Reformed camp, I, I fully believe is that they are trying to live out the Reformed faith, not the Christian faith, and they're caught up in the system. But you don't have to be caught up in the system. You don't have to be a Calvinist. There's a better route and that is a Wesleyan, and you should become a Wesleyan. So let me just tell you some basic tenets of, of this then. Let me tell you some, some basic tenets to, just to whet your appetite. And by the way, um, I'm going to put some book links in, in the description so that you can do your own study on this. Not, 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 not um, books from secondary sources or Calvinist, but primary sources of Wesleyan-Arminian theology. But let me give you some... some uh, prominent key pointers to whet your appetite on this and why you should become a Wesleyan. So on top of pursuing true scriptural Christianity, Wesleyanism is a theology of grace. Let me repeat that. Wesleyanism is a theology of grace. We believe in the free, transformative grace of God. And that's and that's a term that we use, transformative grace. What do we mean by that? We mean that God's grace transforms your being so that once you come in contact with it, in, in, in the moment of salvation, God will make you born again and you will forever be a changed person unless you fall away or apostatize. So tr- God's grace is transformative. It transforms your, ver- your very being so that who you once were is no longer who you currently are. And that will lead to necessary fruit, which will be evident so it's not an option. God's grace really will transform your being. And God will give you a new heart, a new mind, a new soul, a new spirit that will desire long and pursue his son, Jesus Christ. And God will conform you to the image of Christ. And 
That is one of the main tenets, God's free, transformative grace. And notice how I use the word free. So what, so what do we mean by free? John Wesley preached a famous sermon, great sermon. I, I highly recommend you read it. It's called Free Grace. He was criticizing Calvinism, but what I, I love about this sermon is that he pointed out how God's grace is free in all and free for all. And this goes into the um, next point of prevenient grace, or classically it was called preventing grace, but is most com- commonly known as prevenient grace. Pre- prevenient grace is the biblical teaching that God's grace goes before man, so that God is a first actor and initiator, which overcomes and mitigates the effects of the fall, which is total depravity. Wesleyanism does believe in total depravity, so you can believe in total depravity, not be a Calvinist. Wesleyanism all day long will defend total depravity, and by total depravity, we mean total inability as well, the same thing. But God's provenient grace mitigates the effects of the fall from Adam, which brought on death to all of his his uh, offspring so that man uh man is able because of god's grace and only by god's grace can believe in jesus christ so that means that everything man does everything good in him even even the 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 moment that they believe it is all due to the provenient working of god's grace so we believe in grace just as much as a Calvinist, but I would even argue even more because Wesleyanism affirms that God's grace transforms your being. So that means no way, no how can you become a Christian and not be affected by it. God's grace will affect your very being. And another major point is that we believe that God's grace, the, the same provenient grace is free and all. So that means God freely gives his grace. It's unrestricted. That means anybody can become a Christian. Anybody can be saved. And we have the confidence when we present the gospel when we tell people about who Jesus Christ is and what he did for them, we really believe that he did it for them, that they can be saved and anybody can be saved. And let me tell you, that is something that I'm so thankful for because I don't ever have to doubt that anybody can be saved. I know that when God says repent and believe in the gospel, he means repent and believe in the gospel. And he wants them to actually repent and believe in the gospel. Even, thinking about my daughter being born and you know this is something that I talked to about one of my family members is a Calvinist and I've been talking to um, them you know about it and, and I tried to have a conversation a little while back about this of how they're not telling them the truth of what they actually believe regarding Calvinism because they're Calvinists so they can't tell them things like Jesus loves them or died for them so I was questioning that family member I'm uh, I'm trying not not to use pronouns so I don't give give away in case they ever listen to this. But I was questioning that family member, and I was saying, do they know that you believe in this? Do they know that you believe in unconditional election? That that God may or may not have predestined them to heaven, and He may have predestined them to hell. Do your children know that Christ may or may not have died for them, or are you letting them believe and assume that Christ did die for them, and that if they believe, they're saved? And of course, that's exactly what they were doing. They were letting them believe that Jesus Christ died for them, even though they, they, according to their belief of Calvinism, don't actually know that, nor can they prove that. Yeah, they were just letting their children believe that. And I, and I pointed out how that's very dishonest. See, as an Arminian, as a Wesleyanism, I don't have that problem. I know that Christ died for my daughter, and if she repents and believes, God has already made the promise to her that he will save her. And I don't have to doubt that, and I'm so thankful for that. I honestly don't know how Calvinist parents do it, and I am sure 
without a shadow of a doubt in my mind that the majority of Calvinists think that, what do I tell my kids about this? Or when do I tell my kids about this? I would think that. If I was a Calvinist and I didn't think that, I think that would be very foolish of me not to think that. But as a Wesleyan, we can have the confidence that Christ came for all, he died for all, and he calls all to be saved, and he wants all to be saved. So just to reiterate, Wesleyanism is a theology that is in pursuit of true scriptural Christianity, where a theology of God's free, transformative grace, and we believe that Christ really is the Savior of the world, and anybody, anybody can be saved. And you don't have to become a Calvinist to be a Christian that cares about exegesis, hermeneutics, theology, expository preaching, living the you know the faith, working for God, fighting you know the evil of our time. You don't have to be a Calvinist, and I think you shouldn't be a Calvinist. I think you should be a Wesleyan. It's a much better theology. It's more true to the faith of the scriptures. And it's to the contrary Calvinists. There are many, many solid men. You know, now I'm going to talk about the you know a little bit about the community in Wesleyanism. There are many solid men in this tradition, John and Charles Wesley being two of them. But off the top of my head, I'm thinking of Leonard Ravenhill, the man was a man of God. A.W. Tozer wasn't a Calvinist. C.S. Lewis wasn't a Calvinist. You don't have to be, even if you're not a Wesleyan Arminian, you don't have to be a Calvinist. And I don't want you to be, be presented with only two options on the table, even jellyfish Christianity or, quote-unquote, reform theology. It's not true. It's, it, it's not accurate. There's a better option, and that is a Wesleyan, that is Wesley Arminian theology. I'll include uh, book links. Check them out. Reach out to me for any questions. I, I would love to answer your questions. And you guys can please pray for my upcoming daughter that she would be blessed by God and I can be a good father and her mother can be a good mother according to the scriptures. I would sincerely appreciate that. And please like and share this video. And if you haven't already, subscribe to Method Ministries. That really helps us out. Thank you so much.